0: hello so today i would like to discuss music and music has just been a big part of my life ever since i was younger because i grew up with it not because i have like some sort of passion or particular success story but i was put into violin classes when i was young um and i basically just stuck with it and i started playing western classical violin around age five and Around the same time, I also started learning Indian Carnatic vocal music, um, and so I was just surrounded by music for that reason. So what I'm actually going to be talking about today, the topic or the question is basically how is Indian Carnatic music theory structured and how, is it, how does it differ or intersect with the standard Western music system we know? So because I learned both styles of music growing up, I always found it interesting to see how they intersected and especially when I was younger, I thought of them as like separate worlds kind of because I hadn't re- reached the comprehension level to kind of see where they connect but as I grew older and I understood more of how each each genre is kind of made up and things like that, it's really it was really interesting to see how they might overlap and where they differ and what makes them unique and what's shared between them so western music is a very wide range of things so i'll specifically be talking about western classical music which i think is what most people think of when they talk about western music um but of course western music is in different forms like there's instrumental music versus like vocals so like people who play western classical music on an instrument versus like choir you know like vocals in the same way Indian Carnatic music also has different like forms so there's vocal Carnatic music um, and then there's instrumental Carnatic music which is done with specific instruments that are unique not unique but are specialized for this style of music and then there's also dance which is of course set to vote Indian Carnatic vocalist or an instrument or both but there's also like specific dance forms that are performed to Indian Carnatic music so just to begin what is Carnatic music um, it's a music branch or genre that's commonly associated with South India and it's one of the two main branches of music which evolved from Hindu texts um, the other The other branch of music that evolved from Hindu texts is Hindustani music, which is commonly associated with the northern region of India. What what is the actual purpose of Carnatic music, right? So like I just said, it evolved from Hindu texts, but that doesn't mean its sole purpose was religious. Um, What I mean by this is that Pre-colonization of South Asia, when it South India was m- mainly homogeneous and like religiously homogeneous as well, there was because everybody was of the same religion. Um, this song was not only used in relig- not this song. This type of music was not only re- used in religious contexts but also used for you know like celebration, meditation, etc. So it's not only for prayer even if it might be used in that way and it's definitely not disrespectful to listen to it recreationally or casually because it is just an art form that can be enjoyed as well. One thing I do want to mention is that Carnatic music is a very 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 complex music system or it's structured very complicatedly, (laughs) it takes a lot of expertise to reach a level where you can fully comprehend how it works just because there's so many unique aspects that are honestly not found in other areas that makes it harder for someone who doesn't know what it is to grasp it. So it takes a lot, a lot of time to begin to get to that level, and even I just have a very elementary understanding, honestly. Um, so, I, of course, this podcast episode will be, like, the most basic, basic information, like, just a glimpse of of the entire realm of Indian Carnatic music. That being said, it also does take a lot, a lot of talent to perform Carnatic music. It takes years and years, and I'm not exaggerating when I say years and years, like, genuinely two decades, to be able to perform at a certain proficient level. So that should just put into perspective how little of a glimpse this podcast episode will be and how rich the subject is and that you should definitely, definitely if it interests you, look into it because it's not something that can just be captured in a few minutes. So the first thing I want to do is of course I've talked for this long about carnatic music, but what does it actually sound like, right? Um so I'm going to play a specific composition. Um it's a very famous piece. Um in Carnatic music, I'm not sure if piece is the right word to use, but it's a very famous composition. It's one of the most iconic compositions and it's called Sama Javada Gamana. So S A M A J a v a r a g a m a n a. So yeah, I'm going to play it now, and it's in this recording. It's sung by Doctor Balamurali Krishna, um, very famous musician. So let's just take a listen. Hi.
1: The South Japan, Kalati, David Chat, and Samaja, the government. The South Japan,
0: So that probably sounded like a long time, but that was honestly not even, um, that was not the whole song, that was actually just the chorus of the song, and also at the beginning if you notice that he didn't jump right into the lyrics straight away, um, so that was kind of like an introduction, and then the actual song only started when he started singing actual lyrics, um, This is one example of what Carnatic music might sound like, but Carnatic music is extremely versatile and it it can evoke so many different feelings. It can be happy, sad, joyful, somber, um, calming, exciting, celebratory, etc. And it can be used in so many different contexts for this reason. It can be used for like pleading, it can be used for thanking, like it can just be used for so many reasons. So this specific song is not, doesn't, is not representative of Carnatic music in the genre as a whole. And there's so many different, not only just feelings it can evoke, but so many different formats and styles of songs in Carnatic music. So it's important to remember that it's really versatile. So now let's talk about the structure of Carnatic music. Like, what is it actually based on? Um, when you first take, like a, a music class for, you know, Western classical music, like whether you're playing piano, violin, or you joined a choir or something like that, the first thing they teach you is the notes. So if you're and if you're playing an instrument, they just tell you, you know, like the pit, like the pitches, like A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and then if you are a vocalist, they'll tell you Dore Mi Fa So La ti. Do as your notes. Uh, The equivalent of this in Carnatic music is called swaras, like the notes are called swaras. So S W A R A S. So the eight swaras are sa, ri, ga, ma, pa, dha, ni, and sa, just like do. So these are the basic eight swaras in an octave in Carnatic music, but there's also something unique about Carnatic music is that there, there's something called swarasthanas. So, normally, when we have um, like we'll have like A and then we have like A sharp, which is equal to B flat, and then we have B natural, and you know, like they're sharps and flats in Western music, which kind of determine the placement of the note as well. Um, This is equivalent to swarastanas in Carnatic music, but something that's very extremely unique, not, okay, (laughs) just very unique about swarastanas in Carnatic music is that there's not only 12, but there's actually 16 swarastanas in Carnatic music. So there's notes, in Carnatic music that are said to be notes that you actually cannot reach on like it on an instrument. Like it's not something that you can just play out loud, but it's a certain like tone which is considered like a different Swarastana. So there's actually sixteen Swarastanas in Carnatic music instead of twelve um notes, like note placements, I guess. I think is the right word. Um, Yeah. So another thing that Carnatic music is based off of is ragas, which are imperative to the genre. So a raga, I guess, would be translated as a mode or maybe a key, but that's not exactly the right word. So in a key, like if we have something C major, we know that it's no sharps, no flats, all naturals. Um so everything is at its reg like quote unquote regular placement. In Carnatic music, that is one part of a raga, like it tells you where all the notes are placed, but it also tells you what notes are included in the raga. So not all ragas have all eight notes, which is another thing which is different about Carnatic music. So normally in Western music if you have C major, D major, B flat major, A minor, whatever it is, you know, you you will still have all eight notes no matter what. But in Carnatic music, you might not have all sarigama You might have sagamada Nisa or something like that. Like you might skip a few um, notes. And another thing about ragas is that they don't have to be the same in ascending and descending so you never really see any specification about how you can go about notes when you're going up or down in western classical music like you will never have like a c d e g going up and then have g d c and then have b on the way back but not on the way up but that does exist in carnatic music so you can have sa di ga sa on the way up and then you won't have one of those notes on the way back and another thing about ragas is you can also go in circles in carnatic music so you don't have to go like sa you don't have to go sa sa you can go like sa ma like you can kind of do Revolutions and things like that, and of course I'm not a Carnatic music expert, so do not take my vocal skill as expertise. But I just wanted to like show you what that would sound like, um, except it would definitely sound better. So ragas have a lot less rules, I guess, and they just have a lot more flexibility, which once again makes the subject again difficult to master because you're not allowed to. You're not allowed to have all the notes and on the you can use a certain note when you're going down, for example, like if you're descending, but you can't use it when you're going up. Um, so yeah, that's that's basically what ragas are. They tell you how notes are placed and what notes are included. Carnatic music is also very strongly based on the concept of improvisation, maybe similar to jazz, but the entire subject is based off of improvisation. So from the day that you start, you're working towards that eventual goal of being able to improvise, like being able to. No, like someone tells you a raga and you're able to just start singing in that raga and kind of do like like a sketch in that raga. So if you remember earlier from the performance, there was an introduction before he started singing the song. That was basically improvisation in the raga of that piece. Um that that song, Samajva Ragamna, is in Hindolam ragam. So before he starts singing the song, he kind of explores the Hindulam ragam and like basically does improvisation like it's almost like a cadenza of the piece, but at the start. So yeah, that's not the only place where improvisation is used. It's used in countless, countless situations and the entire subject is basically just based off of that based off of improvisation so it's not only like before you start a song but in the middle of the songs songs you have to be able to do it um and it's a skill that you learn over time and the reason improvisation is so emphasized is because it clearly showcases how well you know carnatic music like how how well do you know the raga to be able to like just with like five notes create all these beautiful patterns on the spot or five notes is an example, but how many of our notes it has. Another um, integral, the other integral part of Carnatic music is talam, which is basically like the beat. So, so far we've done ragas, which is like the key signature. Thalam would be like the time signature. So it basically tells you like the beat. I guess tala is basically the beat, T-A-L-A. So you might have like, an eight beat cycle, a four beat cycle, etc, etc. And Um, and you do it with your hands. um, And then there's also like sub-dividing those beats. So you might have like a a, talam with where each each portion is divided into four, and then you could have it divided into three, into six, into eight. So the thalams also get very, very complicated. There's cycles with, I think the maximum is maximum is like one hundred twenty eight in one cycle. Um, so things can get very, very complicated. Um, so yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now let's take kind of what we've learned or heard about so far about Carnatic music, which once again are very basic topics, and see if we can apply or catch it by hearing another song. So one song that's very representative of Carnatic music, representative as in not that all songs sound like this, but it has a lot of the traditional aspects of Carnatic music and is very famous for this reason, is Vata Piganapatim, because it kind of shows how how well someone has a grasp of Carnatic music. Um, And it's in the Ragam Hamsadvani Ragam. So before we listen to the piece, let's listen to the Ragam
1: Hamsadvani.
0: Okay, so that was just the ascent and descent of Hamsadvani Ragam. And now this woman is going to do a kind of basically what i was saying earlier like a sketch of the raga so this is like an example of improvisation of how how much you can kind of mess around with the raga <laughs> Okay, so just to reiterate, that was the sketch of the raga. So the only notes she hit, despite how many runs she was doing, so despite how up and down and how quickly she was doing that, the only notes she hit and that she's allowed to hit are the ones that she sang before. So the other than those, those five notes in that like pentatonic scale she did not hit a single other note in those runs despite the fact that she was improvising and saying them like on the spot and she also only hit those notes like in those specific spots in the placement because that's what the raga says that she has to do so now let's listen to the actual piece um, that is in this ragam so when, when i say that something is in this ragam that means this entire piece is also only going to use like those five notes and those specific placements um and this ragam is hamsadhwani once again and this recording of this piece is by ms subalakshmi which is a very very iconic very iconic singer so let's listen <laughs>
2: Oh, that big Oh, that big and a fatume budget.
0: Just the chorus of the song once again, which is called the pallavi. Um, And there's also two more major sections. So the pallavi is the chorus, and then there's an anupallavi, which comes right after the chorus, and is only sung once. And then there's charanams, charan. There's there might be more than one in big pieces. There might just be one. But then after you sing the anupallavi, you go to the chorus again, and then you sing. The chhatanams are basically like stanzas, basically. But you repeat the chorus every time after you sing that verse or that stanza. So now let's actually get into this piece. As you heard, she sang like very few words, actually. Like the only thing she sang was, ham So she basically only sang like two lines. But how did that last, like, like two minutes, right? Basically, another major concept in Carnatic music is repetition, which ties into the improvisation thing. So each time she sings a line, she has to develop the melody of that line. She has to add something to it. So she's saying, Vata pi ganapattim hum Pradam shri, so that was like that's all the words which she sang, so first she sings Vata Piganapatim. so she starts with a very simple melody, and then she develops that melody each line, so it will be like the most simple, like, Vata patim baje. and then she'll do like she'll add a little bit of some sort of, like, accent, so, like, and then she adds, like, a little bit more, it's like, like that, once again, I'm not, like, <laughs> not, like, a actual vocalist, so this is just me kind of, like, imitating it, but, that might be, like, the first three, but then she keeps adding on more, so it's, like, the same three words, but she has to develop it each time, and, of course, when you're, like, a younger student, they'll kind of tell you, like, a guide of what kind of... um repetitions you need to be doing and how you develop it each time but once you get to her level you have to basically improvise like once you get to like the fifth or sixth development like you got to come up with something to keep it interesting and of course if you heard like by the end it's like really complex runs and things so that's that basically appears in every single um composition is repetition repetition so each time it has to be something new, and yeah. So what instruments are also here in this piece? Um, most performances are accompanied by instruments. So in the back, if you heard like the drum, um, that is called a mridangam, and then there's usually also a there's also a violin, but it's not. It's tuned differently and placed differently, and also made a little differently than a Western classical violin um, it's an Indian Carnatic violin and then there's usually also like a veena or a sitar which kind of provides like a constant um, sound and also can be used for accompaniment as well so yeah so that's basically like kind of the very very foundationals of Carnatic music just to get you started and just bring more like awareness and education about the genre because I feel like it's such a rich subject that not a lot of people know about. Another thing that I want to talk about before this ends is the teaching of Carnatic music. So the way it's taught is very structured. So Everyone teaches it kind of like in the same way. It's almost like a grade system. So first you learn the swaras. So they'll have like certain patterns that you need to know, like singing up and down, and like they have basic ragas. And then they teach you something known as like githams, um, which are like very simple compositions. And then they have something known as swarajatis, which is a transition from gitas to the next level of composition, which is varna. So swarajatis is in between that, and then you do um and then you do varnas which you spend a long 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 time on because it takes a very long time to master um because the most basic varnam is like you know like doable but then they go to such a high range of difficulty um so it kind of overlaps after you get to varnas after you get to varnas you, you also do like kirtanas or kritis at the same time which is what you heard these these compositions are kritis um and so you start like once you get to run you start overlapping those two after a bit um and then once you kind of understand like how by that point after you've learned a few like big kirtanas you'll learn how to do um improvisation at the beginning of a performance like you heard in both of these and then you start learning how to do something known as like kalpana which is um if you heard, like, these people at the beginning of their introduction, they're not using any notes. They're just saying, like, uh, uh, you know, like, like. there's no words. It's just ah. Uh, that's called akaram. But then swadakalpana, you actually have to put the names of the notes. So you would have to do, like, you would have to, instead of saying, like, Ah, you would have to sing but you know you can't just sing the descent of a raga that was just me being simple but you would have to actually improvise and actually say the names of the notes which once again makes it difficult because like I said you have to stay in the range of the raga and what it permits Um, and then once you get to this portion you also do things like Manodharmam, which is like which is something where you take like one line from the music and this might sound like similar to the repetition thing but you also have to add swaras in between that um and it just it's yeah so basically once you learn runas everything starts becoming improvisation and that's what the entire craft is based off of and it's honestly really beautiful to watch so obviously comparison to western music it's honestly just structured differently like even though there's parallels between like the notes and like keys and things like that the everything in carnatic music is taken in a little bit of a different direction in that everything is given less less structure like in in western music the the scales are obviously all eight notes you know like There's only certain ways that the time signature can go um, and all that. But like in Carnatic music, the range of things, like the range that the beat can be in, the range that the swaras can be in, the range that the ragas can be in is just so wide, which makes it so, so much more like rich, but also so much more difficult to start to understand. So just to conclude, it's really, it's really important, I think, to explore different styles of music, just to see what's similar and what's different between different styles, because it brings so much more value, not only to Carnatic music, but also to Western music, because there's definitely aspects of western music that are unique to it you know for example like accidentals like accidentals are an absolute no-go in Carnatic music you can never use a song that's outside of the raga I mean there's special cases but it's definitely nowhere near as common as using a note outside of the key in western music and there's just so much beauty in different styles of music and I just feel like people need to learn more than kind of what they're hearing in their in in, they, in their perspective because so many different styles of music hold so much value and overall with this podcast episode I hope that everybody listening was able to get some sort of grasp of what Carnatic music is hopefully some of you might be interested hopefully some of you have never heard of it before and now have heard of it and hopefully it's just quite interesting to hear about. All right, and that's basically it for this episode. Thank you for listening.